1: For sure, 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 for
0: sure, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure, Welcome to another episode of For Sure, a 200-foot podcast.
2: I'm Peter. And I am Jay. And Peter, do you know what time it is? I do not. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's uh, when... <laughs>
0: they're going back.
2: <laughs> yes, yes, we're we're taking it back to the good old days of uh, the Christmas time, because that's what it feels like, Pete, because the NHL 19 ratings are being released... We, we've we already professed to our glorious fans how much we play the old Chell, right? Right. So now it's time for us to, to delve into some of the uh, zany antics that, that EA Sports is up to again, because as we all know, real-life players obviously deem themselves to be a certain rating, and then... Here comes EA acting with the cold, harsh manner that Blizzard had to do, basically with any powerful weapon in World of Warcraft the nerf the nerf gun comes out and and thus uh, fun discussions are had so um, <laughs> just to lead this off, uh, the uh, one tweet that I am currently madly just madly in love with from a player. his name is Kelly uh, uh, Casila. I apologize profusely if I am in fact butchering the the pronouncing of that, but he's a uh, he's a player who is uh, currently on the San Diego Gulls, and he uh, <laughs> and again, Pete, when I was reading it to you, I, I was incredulous about this, but I'm sure people will be understandably perplexed because Kelly uh, casilla he put up 54 points in 55 games. Which earned him in the Severe Geniuses at uh, NHL nineteen a forty eight overall rating in NHL nineteen. That is uh that is sobering to, <laughs> to to say the least. Um but uh we I saw that tweet and then uh it, we also noticed that there are official uh uh um, accounts. Of players uh, tweeting about their own ratings, some of them canned, but others a uh, couple that are actually uh, kind of personal and, and straightforward. So, um, Pete, uh, I know this is uh, the most non issue <laughs> of all time because, as we know, these uh, players will start to play and then either they'll get brand new cards because the game will release packs and. You know, hey, I'm I'm pretty sure no, everybody who uh, bought low on Matthew Barzal in NHL nineteen is uh, is really excited to find out which player will receive the same treatment this year.
0: Yeah, so I mean, last year they uh, th- they kind of started this new thing where they started doing the base ratings a lot lower than they used to be, and for the cynics. Uh, most would say that, well, the reason they do that is so that they can come out with wave after wave after wave of special card to make you buy the packs for your hockey ultimate team, spending real world money uh, in, in some cases, a, a large amount of real world money with with no guarantee of, of getting a, a good card. Yep. And um. It, it, it was the case of the cynics being right, because that is literally exactly what happened. <laughs> uh, there were so many more special cards than there have been in the past. And it seemed by the end of the year, there were I, I lost track. There was so many cards that were ninety nine rating overall, and some of them not even close to the best players in the league. So, um, again, this is not really going to make too much of a difference. Uh, if you play Hockey Ultimate Team, then just wait a little bit and your favorite player will increase in value or inc- increase in rating. Uh, you don't have to wait too long. Um, but this year, uh, NHL came out with, uh, as they always do, they always talk about new uh, new features. And I know last year we talked about it, so we're going we're to talk a little bit about this. And if you don't play NHL 19, we're not going to spend too much time on this. But every year they come out with a list of new features and... It seems like, oh, this is going to be really fun. And then after the players who are not very good and can't adjust complain, then they basically just make it like last year's version. So we'll see, because the uh, the beta version came out uh, a little while ago, about a month ago. And the the gameplay improvements were definitely noticeable. It was uh, it's, it was kind of the first time where when the puck is loose and you go to pick it up, it kind of felt like it like you would imagine it was supposed to. As opposed to kind of like an animation, Like, like it actually felt like in the real world where the puck's loose and you go pick it up and it's, you know, sometimes you might get it and sometimes you might not, et cetera. Um... Also, this year, um, they've kind of taken away a little bit of the incentive to play hockey ultimate team because there are going to be uh, 200 of the greatest hockey legends to ever hit the ice, highlighted by Wayne Gretzky, according to uh, the EA Sports uh, publicity materials for this. So there's... um, You know, before, like, if you wanted to play with, like, let's say, put together a defensive pairing of Nick Lidstrom and Chris Chelios, like I always try to do, you had to play Ultimate Team and either trade cards or spend real-world money. And now you can, uh, from what I understand, you'll be able to play that in in multiple modes, and you're not going to have to pay anything extra to play with those those legend-type players, which is always really fun. Um, Also, they added... um, a new feature where it was uh, one verse, one verse one uh, outdoors, a little pond hockey. And that was, that was really fun. Uh, I probably spent the most time playing that. Uh, the, the one V one V one since it's the beta, there were definitely some bugs. Like sometimes uh, it ended up just being one person versus one person, which is a little different. Um, and the other one that I played a lot was the three versus three EASHL. Which is where you control your own player, and I'm almost positive they had it last year. But the three versus three is really fun, where everybody controls their own player. I I really did enjoy that. I thought that was a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, so I, J- yeah. J- what were your impressions, Jay?
2: I basically the exact same. I um, I think that there are some improvements that like. I don't know when people say under the hood improvements, I think sometimes they they think that, you know, they're able to like increase processing speeds a little bit better, but like there are some, like some really nice cosmetic and under the hood features that I was able to uh, notice right from the get go. And you know, it is a beta for all we know. That was just like the, the hook. And then when they released the game, none of the things I liked are in it. But <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, I really like the, the Chell one-on-one-on-one, stuff. Um, I was a little perplexed at the, um, and again, maybe this is something that they'll have feedback from, from the beta, but it it took actually a while for me to, excuse me, uh, figure out why, um, I, I was like, like I started out okay. Like I was doing, I was doing my work. And then when you started to like earn rewards and get some power-ups and whatnot, and some cool skates and and everything, I was like, okay, I I think I'm going to soup this guy up. And, so what you can do is you can obviously, you can actually, um, pick what type of player you want to be. Enforcer, sniper, playmaker, two-way forward, two-way defenseman, offensive defenseman, defenseman. So you can pick all of those things. So I was like, okay, well, if I'm in a one-on-one-on-one situation, I kind of want to do like a little bit of a speed kills dangle thing. So I just wanted to be a sniper, just be faster than the other guys. But there's a energy bar (laughs) that I was not aware of or didn't really overtly pay any attention to. So when I made this super fast guy, That means you expend energy more (laughs) than everybody else. So at the start of a game, I'd be flying. I'd be I'd be beating guys to pucks and getting good shots on net. But the problem was, like, in terms of regaining energy, it's really stunted. It's like you don't really get back on your feet because when you have high energy, like the game, like will be like, okay, so you're you're getting back up like a human being. But because the game has to have some sort of. Um, competitive edge or, or quirk or cheat. If you have low energy and you get knocked down, you're basically getting up at the speed that Steve Iserman had to get up off the ice when he only had one knee. <laughs> so like I would get rocked in the corners and I'm like, I can, I started to actually do my own like commentary of like, yeah, all right. Yeah. Gonna that feeling that that's going to hurt tomorrow. All right. Uh, and we're up. Like I was basically narrating the entire experience getting up off the ice. But other than that, I just, I just went back to being kind of a, a power forward. And, um, but then you kind of saw, I, I would get paired with guys that were just like straight up offensive defensemen. And what's weird is there are these presets that are locked in. So it's like, Oh, if you're a dangler, you're only five foot 10, but if you're a defenseman, you're like, a, you're a giant. <laughs> so guys were skating around and just railroading, just guy, I forgot it. So that was almost like how um, old, like, three-on-three, there was actually this NHL overtime arcade game that they released a while ago where, like, you could rock guys and there was a little bit of a delay of them getting up. That way it gives you more time to go pick up the puck and and whatnot. So um, I'm anxious to see the expansion of that that play style, that play mode. And um, uh, I think that was – I mean, for me, Pete, that was really the only – new thing that i like the most out of it. everything else just kind of felt like just updated versions of stuff that was already offered in in previous betas so i i really wasn't able to spend too much time on it due to a, a compounding internet issue but um i'm excited for for what they have going on here um and uh I, I would like to think that once we get our hands on it we'll make it more of a um i don't know maybe we should start putting our gamer our gamer tags out there maybe start <laughs> challenging some fools out to uh Hey, so uh, Pete and I are going to be on the internet this weekend. So if uh, if you want to come hang with us, these are our gamer tags. Shoot us an invite, and uh, who knows, maybe there maybe there's a prize for beating us.
0: If you want to feel superior, uh, then come on down. You can play us,
2: <laughs> maybe, um, maybe maybe then we don't <laughs> offer a prize. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right, so. Um, Obviously, uh, a little bit further down the road once once the actual game comes out, uh, we'll we'll play a little bit and give you our, our feedback. Uh, but, you know, th- that, that's a little bit down the road. Uh, before we get to our interview, we have a really great interview, and again, we've recorded it ahead of time, so we can say with certainty that it's a really great interview. <laughs> yeah, <We've, laughs> I was uh,
2: I was wondering yeah. about that a while ago. I'm like, do do we really brag every episode that it's that it's pretty a good much episode? yeah yeah that's good yeah
0: because we typically end up recording the interview either either just before we record the rest of the show or. Uh, you know sometimes a day or two before and so uh yeah so so we recorded last night with TSN's Scott Cullen and it was uh it was fantastic it was it was a lot of fun um and so that's coming up in just a little bit but before we do that um uh the athletic superstar uh and that is like the athletic uh the the uh the journalism institution superstar Katie Strang just keeps knocking out article after article that are interesting and, um, definitely make in, in my opinion, make this subscription worthwhile. And so she wrote an article a few days ago, uh, as, as we're recording is four days ago. Um, this article came out on August 20th. So you can go, uh, onto the if you have a subscription and you can read it. And it's called the big issues facing NHL and the NHLPA in upcoming CBA talks. And, of course, at the top, it has a picture of our favorite person, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman. Uh, that should be actually, I guess, Hall of Fame uh, Commissioner
2: Gary yeah, Bettman. Yeah, I was just about to say, like, as as we start <laughs> talking about this, let's preface with the guy overseeing this is about to – with three lockouts under his belt, you know, looking to looking to add to the old uh, trophy case there, uh, we're putting him in the Hall of Fame and nothing makes sense anymore.
0: <laughs> I, I'm kind of thinking like um, like like Gary Bettman could be just like a like a smaller, a smaller version of Thanos where I. Uh You know, he's he's like, well, I got the one lockout stone. I got the two lockout stone. He's like, if I can get the fourth one, I just snap my fingers and instantly end the season.
2: (laughs) And so... um, Oh, yeah. it's, I'm so sad and and and, and humored at... <laughs> I'm going to make so many Photoshops of that now. Thank you, Peter. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. So,
0: so here is... Um, obviously, I'm not going to sit here and read the whole article to you, but what we're going to do is we're, we're going to basically just... Uh, if you haven't been following this, we're going to give you basically the gist of what's going on and why it's important now um, and... We're we're gonna run through uh, what she says, uh, what Katie Strang said or, or writes about uh, for the big issues that they have, uh, you know, that are going to be a play. We can talk a little bit about it, um, and you know wh- what we think about these issues. So, uh, first things first, which is um, the the CBA, the collective bargaining agreement, is scheduled to run through two thousand twenty two, but. Um, there is an early termination agreement for either side. So uh, NH- uh, the NHL can terminate the current agreement on September 1st, 2019, which is uh, just over a year away. And the NHLPA has the same uh, ability two weeks after that, on September 15th, 2019. So even though the the CBA is scheduled to run for a while, uh, for another four years, the it, it, Either side can trigger a an early termination, which personally, I wouldn't be too surprised to see uh, from from maybe from either side. And so because of that, you know, this is something that we have to kind of look at. And so there's been some, uh, you know, there's been some issues that uh, both sides seem to disagree on. Um, So the first one has been contracts. So. In the last CBA, they agreed. Uh, both side agreed on seven year max contracts uh, with a with a one year uh, kind of additional option. If uh, you are signing a player that is currently on your team, uh, so for example, for you know most people listening to this are Red Wings fans. Um, theoretically, Dylan Larkin could have signed an eight year deal instead of a seven year deal. Um, We saw that with uh, the the John Tavares situation where the Islanders had a little bit of extra leverage where they could sign him to an eight-year deal instead of seven years. Uh, Obviously, he did not take that. Um, But... Now, with a lot of the contracts that are being signed, we are seeing that they are getting lockout protection, right? Which is not literally—it's not literally like a a clause in the contract, but it's the way that it's structured. Uh, because uh, the CBA allows you to uh, structure salaries in in certain ways. Like th- there are limits, um, but you can basically um, have. A very, very large amount of the the salary or the the compensation that's being paid to a player be in this form of a signing bonus, which would be paid regardless of if the league is playing. So, for example, the John Tavares contract uh, had a ton of signing bonuses and a very low salary. Um, and some players have tried to do that in almost every year. Some players have done that in uh, certain years where they feel that a, a lockout is, is more likely. And, Jay, apparently the league doesn't like that too much. Apparently, uh, according to, to, to Katie, the uh, the league was very, very upset at the John Tavares contract. So before we move on, how do you feel about the league being very upset at something they basically allowed to happen?
2: Um. I don't know if you can hear it right now, Peter. And for those of you listening at home, you might have to crank the volume. But there's a tiny, tiny violin playing between my fingers, um, and and it's just just for the NHL. I, th- I uh, oh, geez, there's uh, what's that? What's that awesome gift that everybody keeps tweeting? Oh, yes, it's sideshow Bob stepping on rakes. That's <laughs> that is that is what my view of of what the NHL is doing to themselves right now and it's um it's it's, it's a lot of fun. Um yeah. I I feel like the speed at which the game is being played and having certainty of compensation given the now health uh repercussions um I am I, like these max Lake contract stuff it's I don't know I we, I mean, we. T- I I use this example in an interview, but it's like every time they try and do something, the league's like, "No, not like that." <laughs> so, yeah. so I I don't know. I'm I think this is this is a league that is currently run by. I still feel like ownership leaning people. There's not. They, I don't. I do not get the sense that there's. Um as much of a uh, uh, care or concern or at least an an openness to embrace what, what the actual um, uh, players think and feel about how they're being uh, either compensated or, I mean, again, that's what the whole player association is meant for. But even, even while that exists, I just feel like the league just does not care about how to arrive at amicable situations and then that's why we are here. <laughs> this yeah, is, this I mean, is how we've got. That's exactly how we've gotten here.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think given my experience as a as a high school teacher, I think that the league could have done. It uh, could have done well to go to a local high school, ask around for the most clever, the most clever students at getting around teacher guidelines and rules And ask them to take a look at here's here's what we're proposing. How would you get around this? Because it seems like every time, you know, first of all, we had, um, you know, the the salaries, the, the, uh, the contracts that are now retroactively subject to recapture. You know, so these really long contracts, like the Zetterberg contract, the Shea Mm -hmm. Weber contract, which Mm -hmm. at the time were legal, at the time they were signed were legal, and then the NHL basically retroactively made them illegal. Which I just have a very (laughs) hard time, uh, just like I I can't even start to to believe that that might be okay. And it just seems like, like you know, they're like, okay, well, now we're going to change the rules. Okay, great. And then, wow, what a surprise! Some smart. Player agent was somehow able to crack the code and figure out a way, uh, like a loophole, a way around. Right? Yep. I guess actually they could probably just 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 hire Lou Lamorello uh, to. Uh, <laughs> it's like okay, like we know you're gonna find a way through this, so we'll give you some, yep. you know, you know, we'll hire you uh, for you know three million dollars a year, and all you have to do is just tell us the loopholes. You know, how would you? How would you get the better well, of the yeah, NHL? It's,
2: it's like that uh, conference, at the, the hackers conference that just happened. Just like, hey, here are all the voting machines that you that, that are currently going to be in play. Have at it and then just mm. see what happens. But I think that's <laughs> – I would not be surprised if, they, <laughs> if either the NHL or agents uh, do exactly that and be like, hey, have at it. Break this. <laughs> yeah. It's only the thing that we were potentially going to ice another season around. So we need you to just pour through this thing and tell us every every stinking way. Now, what's weird is, Pete, I actually don't mind that that's something that they could do. Mm. I just want them to find, I don't want there to be lame reasons for them to be able to, to circumvent Cap stuff and cba things i would love them to come out and say here are the most convoluted ways like the player has to be in cuba for no more than two days and then (laughs) the player will then get transferred through canada to enter back into the united states thus giving him this visa which then clear which then clears him to earn this much percentage more (laughs) like i want some completely acme (laughs) <laughs> Looney Tune <laughs> ways to circumvent the cap. Like, hey, uh, the only way we can pay this guy is if he's standing on an ice floe, <laughs> 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 because technically he doesn't—he's not standing on any ratified or recognized territory, which means we can pay him anything we want. <laughs> And so it's basically like the international
0: waters exception. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, it's the it's the Family Guy Peter Griffin uh, annexation of Joe's pool. According to the Geneva Convention, paragraph three, sentence two, word four, the. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, all right.
0: So, so uh, another thing that is uh, is is kind of contentious is uh, hockey-related revenue, right? So, this is the the pool from which the uh, the compensation money goes. Um, and in the last uh, CBA, they decided that it was going to be fifty-fifty, which of course seems fair, you know, when you when you look at it. But then, not surprisingly, um, the the fight is going to be over what defines hockey-related revenue. Yep, and it seems like you know every every so often there are new streams. Like it's kind of like. Um, It's I guess it's pretty similar in the the writing community, like the WGA, like the people who are your screenwriters, you know, who write television, movies, etc. When streaming came out, under their current contract, they didn't really have a provision for that. And now all of a sudden, you know, like a lot of money is being made on Netflix and Hulu, etc. And so... Now there's a new stream of revenue. And so I think that's like a kind of a good way to, to you know, for people to think because cause some of this can get really convoluted if you start to go into like the specifics. But if you think about it like that, you know, every so often, maybe even every year, there's like some different new stream of revenue. Like there's there's a new way for the league to make money yep. and since the players are part of it, uh, then they should. You know, they will participate in that in the terms of the hockey related revenue split. And of course, the league is going to try to uh, say that every new source of revenue is not revenue uh, and it's something else. And of course, the players are going to fight for everything being considered revenue because that goes into the pot out of which they get paid. Um, So, I mean, that one, like there's not really too much to say, because like I said, it kind of gets really. It can get really technical and get really
2: boring very yeah, quickly. Cause, yeah, cause yeah. Because what's weird is in the current format. I mean, it, it's in the article um, if you read it. And again, yeah. for to for us to verbatim read what the hockey related revenue, hockey related revenue. Uh, say that five times fast. Um, uh, it, it, the way it's currently defined is, uh, gosh, for anybody who's got insomnia out there, just read this thing and you'll get better sleep than a than a baby. Um, but I, I I would like to think that Pete, if we were to I, I want to put you and I in the shoes of of those deciding what hockey rel- hockey related revenue is, so uh, my first proposal is anything with the NHL shield on it that's re- <laughs> that's related revenue. I feel like that could be a good place and then even if and then have the provision of like if it's hockey related it has to have the shield on it and if it has the shield on it it's hockey related revenue you can't mess around with that you cannot release anything that is hockey without the shield on it thus guaranteeing because it has the shield on it it's very hockey related revenue which then will which i would love love to look forward to the league saying that we will now be employing the forces of the black Jersey Market to then <laughs> circumvent any and all hockey related revenue. Um I, I actually do want to say a hot take here uh Pete if if you'll allow me. I think go, a fair go ahead. I think a fair uh, split of hockey related revenue should be 60/40 in favor of the players. That's just me. I uh, I, th- I think the 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 cost and um, I I don't know about may, maybe just the variable of playing in the National Hockey League um, I think offers far more risk of loss than uh, what the owners and uh, the the league has. So I think it would be a lot cooler if the players were um, – uh, compensated uh, solely because they're the ones that are playing the game. Uh, they're the ones that are going out there. They are the faces and uh, the people with... The, they're basically giving you the tools. It, it is the, the cosmic humor because they're like, they have the chance to play the game that they love, but without them, you would have nothing to market. <laughs> so like maybe like start to appreciate them a little bit more. So my my feeling is that uh, 60-40 in favor of the players would... Um, just, just be the greatest because then yeah. then I feel like they would be more comfortable they would be more willing to open and maybe market themselves. I'm not saying that they that they either could or should. I'm just saying that's you know I, I've yet to see a, a negative reaction to players uh, being more personable and um, uh, ingratiated to, to their to, to their fans and to the sport. Um, but you know, again, they they still live their lives. They're not contractually obligated to completely sell their souls for mm. to to be hockey, to be just these faces. Because last I checked, that was what they were indentured to <laughs> <laughs> years ago before a players' association. You know, I know "indentured" sounds is r- really a strong word, so um, I'll, I'll I'll actually recant that. Let's let's say like basically as close as you can for just the worst working conditions ever, playing one of the at the highest level. That was. That's why Lindsay did it because it was a complete and utter farce. So um 6040. That's that's what it that's what it should be. I'm, I'm taking it okay. to the
0: bank. There you go. Uh speaking of taking it to the bank, the next one is escrow. Yeah. Right, so um if you ever bought a house, this is uh this is a word you've heard before. Um <laughs> so again, s- some of this stuff can get kind of complicated. This one this one isn't too hard to understand. So basically, think about it this way that Um, at the end of the year, it's not always the case where the estimated hockey-related revenue or the projected revenue is the same as the actual revenue. So if if that's going to be the the pool of money that's going to be paid out, then um, the league is going to want uh, what they call cost certainty. They're going to want to make sure that that money is there. And so in order to accomplish this – Every, uh, every, you know, twice a month when they, when the players, uh, receive their paychecks, they have a percentage that is taken out and each year, this is a little bit different. Um And, like, so, say, for example, uh, in 2013-2014, 14% uh, was taken out uh, The players ended up taking home 89.7% So, basically, the like, this money is taken out And the players don't always get it back In fact, they don't really get a lot of it back uh, You know, for the last few years, it's been roughly The players would take home roughly 87-88% of their salary. So you can understand if you sign a contract to make a certain amount of money and before, you know, not even accounting for taxes and things like that, you um, get 88% of what you were, Promised in your contract now Obviously the you know the escrow is Kind of you know it's people have Known about it for a while um, but that Is a that is you know that is a really Big issue for the players and as as Katie Strang says one way to Drastically reduce escrow I'm just Going to quote her right here would Be to lower the cap right lower the Salary cap which would lessen the Money available to sign players and Lower the face value of contracts but Bring actual contracts values closer In line with how they will Eventually be calculated So obviously this would solve the problem of having to give up some of your, some of your money. But at the same time, the cap goes down and you know, the salaries go down. So, uh, especially players who are about to sign their next contracts would probably not be very happy to see this happen. Um, so this is a, you know, this is a big problem for the players. Um, but, um, she has a quote in here at the end players hate escrow, but do they have the stomach to lock out because of it? So that's going to be, that's going to be a big question. Um, Cause again, obviously it, it makes sense that people would, would be upset. We, uh, the next thing up, we talked about this a little bit before the max length contracts. Apparently the idea is that the league might be pushing for instead of seven and eight year contracts, five and six year contracts. Um, as, as somebody who believes that the, the vast majority of these max contracts are not very good. Uh, Like they end up not being good value. Then well, for the team side, I guess Uh, this, this makes sense. But again, this would be something that the players would be giving up. They're giving up, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, the ability to lock in being paid for two additional years. And so they're going to want something for that. Um, And again, I mean, like I said, these long term contracts don't make much sense, you know, don't typically work out very well for the teams, but they sometimes work out really well for the players. Uh, so, Jay, what do you what do you think about this? Do you think that the, that it would make sense to try to limit these contracts or do you think that that's just going to cause more problems than it's worth?
2: Well, I think I think the max contract thing and the escrow thing are, are, are kind of tied to the same issue, which is evaluating value <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and and how how do we you know? OK, so. Like before, like I'm trying to remember, like before the 0-4-0-5 lockout, like players making like 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 the, the the thought of hockey players making like like ten million before, and then the lockout happens, and now they're making only like five or six. I mean, that's like oh, wow, that is a lot of money lost. And then you know, with with the the lower contracts, I. I don't know. I think for me as a fan, I would be okay with shorter contracts because then that means my team has a chance to then sign a good player sooner rather than later. Or, or like, hey, we're 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 gonna get this player, but it's the aging corpse of that player whose prime mm-hmm. years were locked in this deal for seven years for this other thing. But um, I don't know. My for the longest time, my dad uh, has has pitched this fun idea, and I actually am in a. Uh, in an anarchy type mood about it. I think Pete that we every player should just be on one year deals. Just just one year deals that you can negotiate at any price, like forget the forget the salary cap, just pay whoever you want to pay, but it's just a one year contract. And then so that causes you like for a second you're like, "Oh, okay, yeah, I can totally do that." But then you actually have to think about it because like, okay, so you can't pay 20 million per player, right? Yes, you could try, but you don't have the financial resources to do that. And even if you do, guess what? You just shelled out <laughs> upwards of half a billion dollars to try and be quote unquote competitive at hockey. So um I I'm I'm of the mind that, yeah, lesser contracts I think would actually be a good thing to to consider here because uh I, I want um there to be uh obviously more incentive for players to maybe want to Earn those five years, right? Because, like, you know, if it's a short amount of time, and then if you want to set yourself up for the next thing, then yeah, you're going to want to play at your highest level. Because we all know we all get a little lazy when we know we have guaranteed things, right? Like, yeah. hey, hey, Pete, you're you're going to get a guaranteed salary of ten grand a month for the rest of your life, right now. I think your I think your compete level and your <laughs> uh, uh, your, your your enthusiasm about going to work would take a hit. So, <laughs> you know, I, I can see from like a, an encouragement and. And motivator standpoint, then yeah, like I think the idea is like you're paying them this amount of money because you expect them to perform at the highest level, but you also don't want them to be lazy because they are making absurd and disgusting amounts of money. So there has to be I think there is a cross section of being paid absurdly well, but also uh get yourself in uh in a position to to play at at, at play your best. So
0: Yeah, I mean like, you know, obviously the, the players would never go for Max
2: one-year contracts. Um, I don't know. I mean, hey, if one player, like, hey, I'm going to play one year in the league and my salary is, is, is $10 million. And then I get to, you know, spread that out. And then we're talking like, again, this it is it is right, as much but you're, of a you're talking about side. the high
0: you're talking about the, the, the high end players. You're not talking about the the fourth liners who are like, I'm going to take a one year deal. at six hundred fifty thousand. If I blow out my knee, that's it. I'm done. Like, <laughs> like it's never going to happen. Um, well, it, it does. It does kind of tie into an interesting idea where um, I know, you know, Chris Watkins has talked about this on on one of his podcasts. Um you know, you have somebody like LeBron James in the NBA who takes a series of one year deals. Uh, you know, some other some other people are e- either doing it or thinking about it. And so, the you know, the question was, OK, you got, you know, John Tavares, you know, does he go to Toronto and be like, give me one year at twelve million dollars? And then after that, then he if he plays well, he can then try to either keep doing one year deals. Obviously, he's taking the chance of, of getting hurt. Um, But you could argue that by adding the ability to do something like that, you are maximizing your value. But the problem is again, nobody's ever going to do that because if they take a one year deal and they blow out their knee, they've probably left $50 million on the table, you know, for some of these high end guys. Um, And it seems like, like the players are, are too conservative. And then, I mean, obviously in the NBA, You know, you have seemingly players making more money than an entire NHL team. You know, it's just like a different level of money and and allows you to kind of, you know, it it changes the calculus a little bit for that. Yeah. Um, Okay, so for the um, the last two, I'm just going to do these really quick and then we're going to go to the interview. Uh, The reason why is because these are both topics that if we start talking about it, we're probably
2: going to spend a lot of time talking about it. Oh, you are such a party pooper. But I know.
0: So, um, so the first one is the Olympics. I know, actually, we, we've talked about this before about the Olympics, how we feel about yeah. this, yep. um, and obviously, it is definitely something that's really important. Uh, and then, uh, as Katie Strang calls it, the wild card, which is the Seattle franchise, um, which seems like it's definitely more probable than possible,
2: but it's still not, you know, it's still not a definite thing. Um, and the so only, that- the only definite thing is that. A bunch of money has been handed to the development group <laughs> right and yes. and th- and that's like kind of a really big deal because the fact that a large amount of money has already been exchanged makes the the thing that she talks about how like yeah, so the league completely screws up adding another team to their full because they decided to lock out That means a bunch of Pacific Northwest people are now supremely pissed at the league that they've wanted there for some time, so I I fully expect that, that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what's going to happen. She just described exactly what's going to happen. They're going to they're going to uh fall on the railing right onto the five hole and it's and it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt hard because that's all they've done. They've they the league has continually excelled to be their biggest enemy and 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 we're all just here eating the popcorn, Pete.
0: Absolutely. So so that's uh, that's what's going on with the uh, the potential uh, lockout strike situation in the future. Um, So as always, you know, if you see an article by Katie Strang, you should read it because they're almost always uh, I mean, they're always good, but they're almost always very, very good and and something very interesting. So like we said before, we got our interview coming up with Scott Cullen. So uh, stand by for that. And then we will see you on the other side. (music) All right, our guest for this episode is none other than TSN Scott Cullen. Uh, if you listen to this podcast, I'm sure you know who he is, but just in case, uh, he writes for TSN for uh, analytics, power rankings, player rankings, fantasy stuff, for NHL, NFL, MLB, and NBA, and I'm pretty sure I've seen some CFL stuff. Uh, there doesn't really <laughs> seem to be too many leagues that you don't have something to do. So, um, Scott, how are you doing? Thanks for uh, joining us tonight.
1: Uh, I'm good. Uh, yeah, i I I guess my bio doesn't include my CFL content. I kind <laughs> of for, 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 forgot forgot about that. But yes, that's a, that's a good point by you. An omission by me. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Uh, how are you guys tonight? We, we're doing great.
2: I'm 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 really excited, Scott, because again, the to to have you on at such a pivotal moment in in our uh, in our professional uh, careers that we're all pursuing because. You know, it, the the war debate looked like it was just going to completely destroy everybody. <laughs> but, you know, now now we're yeah. we're kind of coming out of the out of the dark ages a little bit, especially with Yost posting that coffee take. So, you know, I, I I'm glad that we can finally breathe, we can exhale, and <laughs> and, and and get yeah, back to being I, friends. I, with Yost.
1: I I'm glad that I avoided getting involved in any of that. To be honest, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I uh, like I, I have. All the respect in the world for the for the modelers who are who are uh, coming up with their versions of war because I kind of I have one of my own, oh,
2: but cool. I have
1: I'm not I am not releasing one of my own until I really have a well thought out uh, <laughs> um, rationalization explanation because I know what happens if you just put it out there without <laughs> without it being uh, thoroughly explained and verified and and upside. Down and inside out. So, but I uh, like I I really appreciate what um, you know. Guys like Manny from Corsica Hockey, like I, I whether I agree with his war results or, or not is, is kind of immaterial. But the the fact that he's you know putting in the effort to do those things, I, I'm all for it. And and
0: yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much the same way. I um, the the day that this all started a few days ago was one of the days that it was. You know, I was just so busy. Uh, that I didn't really get to even log on to Twitter until about six o'clock, and <laughs> and basically like you I saw started, all the carnage. <laughs> yeah, because like the first tweet I saw was from Matt Cain, basically yeah. <laughs> kind of like, well, here's what here's what I mean or whatever. And I was like, I DM'd him. I was like, what the hell happened?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, when when it's a hothead like Matt Cain, you know, you don't <laughs> gonna go oh, off exactly. The out
0: exactly. <laughs> I wanted to I wanted to touch a little bit about um the the Rochester Analytics conference because that's yeah. you know that that's where I got to talk to you last year and then this year um and then we can you know we have a whole bunch of stuff that we can talk about. Um so you know like I said you know I saw you the last two years there at the RIT Sports Analytics conference. I saw on Twitter that you're on the list of people who's going to be at the Ottawa conference coming up. Um Correct. Yeah. So Um, So I I guess just for our listeners, because one of the things, you know, last episode we had, you know, I I did an interview there with Matt Cain and we had one with Matt Barlow Mm -hmm. and CJ Taturo And, you know, I really enjoy going to these. So, you know, what do you get out of going to these conferences? And then specifically at this last one, which presentation or presentations did you find the most uh, interesting? Uh,
1: Okay, so first question, um, you know, when, when I uh, kind of started going to conferences. Uh, I think the Sloan conference was the first one that I really started, uh, you know, pushing for. And, and I, I think I went to about five or six in a row, which was great. Um, but you know, when I first went, I really had no idea what I was getting into. Um, you know, I, it, whether I was going to, you know, meet people or, or whether I was just going to kind of write a story and be on my way. And, and that would be that, um, but like the very first Sloan Conference I went to, Brian McDonald and I um, kind of struck up a, a, a conversation. I think he had uh, some kind of adjusted plus minus paper that he was uh, presenting there, and, and and this just sort of you know started things kind of um, moving forward. After that, is that you know you, you keep going to these conferences, uh, and, and I, I tend to pick Rochester and Ottawa because they're close. I yeah. I'd really love if somebody I'd really love if somebody gave me a Toronto hockey <laughs> conference. Sometime, <laughs> but, uh, but apparently that, that's not a thing. And, and so, you know, Rochester is an easy drive for me and Ottawa is not too bad either. So, um, so that's why I go to those ones. But like, I, I like the fact that, you know, once, once you've kind of gone to one and you start kind of going over and over again, you start, um, you know, building relationships with the people that you meet there. Um, and, and, you know, that to me is like, a, like I learn a ton when I, when I go, I mean, I, I, I think I have a pretty good handle on stats and, and, hockey and so on. But then, you know, when somebody with a PhD gets up there and starts, uh, um, you know, going on about, about, you know, a new way to measure this or a new way to measure that. Well, <laughs> I, I have to pay attention because, because they're, uh, you know, they're, they're dealing at a higher level than I am. And so I, I, you know, it, as an educational pursuit, it's it's fantastic, but I also just like being able to meet a lot of the people that I, I sort of know purely online. You know, like if I didn't go to these conferences, you know, I wouldn't have the interaction that I do with uh, a lot of these people that because, you know, what your interaction may be on Twitter or you know, through a direct message or whatever isn't quite the same um, as it is once you've met people and you've talked with them and, you know, you have a beer with them, whatever, that just kind of changes the, the dynamic of, of how you can interact and, uh, and so on. And so that, that to me is kind of the the best value of going is that you get to meet uh, all these people that you, you might interact with a little bit online, but uh, it kind of changes the, the nature of your interactions beyond once you've, uh, once you've met face to face. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'm so as... sorry. Uh, oh, go ahead. I, I, I'm going to get the second part of your question oh, there yeah, from, yeah. Uh, from, from the uh, Rochester conference. Um, you know what? I, I mean, I, there were a few that I really liked. I like, um, Chris's is uh, it Chris Watkins? Um, oh. His piece uh, about uh, for skating four forwards, mm. um, and and I know it might that like you know he, he and I talked um, you know away from his uh, uh, presentation as well, and and like it, the theory of doing it, I I'm on board with, but I also recognize that it's going to be a massive challenge to change the culture of hockey uh, to get teams to. You know, possibly deploy their players in this way, but I, I like that idea that that he's, uh, um, you know, that, that you know when you if you look at uh, things say through a, a lens of another sport, um, and I've seen Chris do this uh, in other presentations too, because uh, he has familiarity with basketball, and if you yeah. look at the way basketball is is like the guards aren't only defenders, you know, like those guys are allowed to contribute offensively and, and <laughs> in many cases drive the offense, hmm. but hockey, you know, it doesn't operate in that way. And I, I think if you're, if you're looking to really kind of change the way things work, um, you know, basically get rid of the name defense. Um, you know, I think, I think I've seen uh, Ryan Stimson, the, uh, the organizer that the Rochester he starts calling them backs um, just to use a different handle because once you take defensemen out of the out of the title you can kinda of change the expectations for what you get out of that position. And and so I I I love the the whole theory behind that, um and recognizing that it's kind of a long game to um before you're gonna see real change in that regard, but I I mean it that, that was one that kinda of stuck with me, I
2: guess. Sure. I'm going to go on the record and say that Chris Watkins and I are going to have to have a conversation because Pete, if you remember, I proposed skating five forwards in our interview with Cussins at the very infancy of our of our podcast here. So, uh, Chris, if you're listening, um, I have no idea how to get in contact with you. So, if you could just get in contact with me, no, uh, uh, Scott, I, I was um, as the resident person who has yet to even go to one of these things yet, and I actually became precariously close to. To coming this year but uh, due to a volatile work schedule I, I had to bow out pretty quick but um i firstly let me say that you along with peter are all saying the exact right things that convince me to attend uh <laughs> one of these things because um you know i i think i think there's i think there's something to be said for you know and i think i did like a little mini tweet rant about this but i was basically alluding to it's like we've reached this point now where we've kind of exhausted all of the uh, analysis and observation in, in, in one way to make hockey better. And now we're like at this dawn of like, wow, there's, gosh, there's other stuff that we can look at to make things better. And like, these are teams and, and other quote unquote hockey people wanting to figure out other ways to get better. And now they're being presented ways that are, that are better, but all the people are like, no, not like that. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, yeah. so it's really nice to be like, you know, I, I'm glad this event exists. And, you know, I, at the end of the day, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be like the cockroach at the end of a, 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 a nuclear fallout where it's like, I'm the, I'm just like the last guy who hasn't gone to this. And like the, <laughs> like the one year I go is when it's like been banned. Like it's now an illegal conference analytics. <laughs> um, so you know, speaking of you know, now that we have all of this analysis at our disposal, this is kind of a, you know a riff on the JJ question, Pete here, but it's basically it boils down to this: Scott, do you still like hockey? <laughs> In light of everything you've seen, like, do you still derive enjoyment out of it? Yes, I do, lots. Um, and and the the
1: funny thing is is that you know I've spent my whole life you know playing hockey. You know, I got you know probably three years old when I could skate and and been playing, um, I guess probably in, in a hockey league since I was like six. Um, and, and the f- one, one of, not the first year I went to Sloan Commons, but you know, one of the early years that I went, uh, Eric Tulski had presented his, um, uh, paper on, on zone entries and, and how important they were. And, uh, you know, and that's kind of become a very important, uh, kind of part of measuring hockey since then. But when he, he presented that and I, and I read it on, on my way down there, And I was kind of like, oh, and I was going to the Bruins game. And so it basically changed the way I watched the game. And that's, that's one of the, I guess, um, kind of features of, of, you know, when you learn about new statistical, um, findings and and so on is it can, you know, have as a viewer, you start looking for different things. And so the, the specific game I went to was the it was a Senators Bruins game and, all I saw the whole night was Patrice Bergeron carrying the puck through neutral ice all like all night and I was like well like I knew Patrice Bergeron was great he had the course he got and, and I'm like well this is why is because you know every time he's on the ice he's the one taking the puck from his end up uh, into the other team's end and it was just it, it that uh, that single game pretty much sold me on okay I this is something that I need to pay attention to um, and so you know, it's not that I spend my whole game, if I'm watching a game, it's not as though I'm like, okay, zone entries and zone entries and zone entries. You have to see that. But now it becomes kind of part of your thought process when you're watching. And, and so to me, that's been kind of the the enhanced value that I get uh, out of, um, you know, some of these, you know, modern stats and, and applying them to a, a game is that it, it changes the way I watch the game compared to, say, what it would have been twenty years ago when when I still watched a ton of hockey, but I didn't watch it the same way.
2: I'd like to think that you like w- when you reach like this particular moment. I, I like to joke that w- w- when when you add these different arsenals, way to view stuff, you see things like Neo sees the Matrix, right? Like you watch a hockey game, and it's just it's mm-hmm. all just code. <laughs> and You're like, oh, 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 I see what's developing here. Ah, yes. And then everyone's like, he he just passed the puck. Where you? How do you? What? How did? How did you know that? You're like, yeah, you. I just know what I'm doing. That's all. That's
0: all. Yeah, so at the uh, at the conference, uh, Seth Partnow had a really great presentation. Uh, so for listeners who don't know, he's a director of basketball research for the Milwaukee Bucks, and his presentation was uh, basically on how to present an analysis using data to an audience. And he mainly talked about you know if you're going to present to like a like a front office, but I thought it was also really useful for presenting to an audience on you know either through. Uh, Obviously, tweeting is 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 not the best medium, but you know, for like an article using stats, and obviously, as somebody who, uh, you know, you have a an article in TSN if I remember correctly, Monday through Friday during the hockey season. <laughs> um, so yeah, a little plug there, by the way. If you know, basically, if you just just open up TSN during the hockey season, you're going to see something by uh by Scott. So um, so when you're working on an article like that, like what guidelines do you keep in mind in terms of balancing? you know, giving enough information, kind of going in-depth enough that it's meaningful, but then also making it understandable to a wide
1: audience. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the article you're talking about, Statistically Speaking, that runs yes. uh, Monday to Friday. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, 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 plug I, away. I will double up on the plug there. Oh, um, sure. No, so, so what, um, you know, what I, what I found is, like, I don't dive super deep into Advanced stats, like I include them in my writing, and um, but when I'm trying to you know write something for a broader audience, that's that's what I'm trying to do. um, I I try not to you know go super deep, so that I'm you know only hitting the two percent of people who really, really uh, are on top of every uh, advanced stat. Now, you know, I I don't know what percentage of hockey fans you know say buy into Corsi, uh, but you know, at some point, I don't know how long ago, five years ago, seven years ago, mm. um, I, I came to the conclusion that, all right, I have to start including this in in my writing. And, and so, you know, when I first started putting, you know, Corsi and relative Corsi and, say, scoring chance numbers from natural statric or any of those kinds of things, there might be a little bit of an explainer when I first started including it. Mm. But at this point, I've had those kinds of numbers in my, you know, articles for, you know, like I say, five, seven years, something like that. Yeah. I don't, I don't bother telling you what, you know, what course he is. Like if you've been reading my, my articles at all, you already know. And, and frankly, if you're at all interested in hockey stats by now, you already know. Um, and so I haven't, um, like I, one of the things is like, I'm not getting the cutting edge stuff out there, um, in a lot of my articles because it is for a wider audience. Like, it, it, you know, the moment you know, Manny comes up with war for for Corsica hockey, like, I'm very mm. interested in reading about how he's come up with it and, and checking out the results and so on. But I'm not, you know, slamming Manny's war numbers into my articles um, mm. right away, you know, because, I mean, essentially because I don't think it, it hasn't reached widespread acceptance, if you can believe that or not, yeah. um, <laughs> based, based on the debates of August. But that's kind of how... how you know, when I'm incorporating things, I'm kind of trying to incorporate things that are, you know, they've, they've had a few years to kind of build up. And, like, right now, I mean, I haven't put a ton of zone entry and zone exit stuff in my articles, but I'd feel more comfortable doing it now because I think we're a few years into uh, tracking those numbers and, and you know, it, it's not such a foreign concept. Uh, like, and, like, so from my perspective, I feel like I'm happy to learn about new concepts and, and you know, have that inform my thinking Um, but a lot of the times when I'm writing, I, like, I'm, I'm going to use something that's got a couple of years behind it at least. Um, Mm -hmm. because, because I feel like, you know, the the wider audience, I I know a lot of people who who read my stuff are going to be statistically inclined anyway, but there are a whole bunch of people who aren't. And and so if I kind of come out with something that's, you know, a, uh, a development that came out at, at the Rochester Analytics Conference, and that's the, mm-hmm. the first time it's really come out, well, you know, I'm going to have to do a whole uh, big <laughs> thing explaining why, I'm, why I even think it's important. So I, I, I tend to avoid that stuff and, you know, basically let, let uh, Father Time work in my favor before before I start including things regularly in my articles.
0: Yeah yeah I can tell you as somebody who's used uh, Manu's war model in a, in a couple articles recently that it definitely does generate a, a lot of comments <laughs> and a lot of uh, uh, a lot of questions too so
1: <laughs> yeah well and like way back before uh, war models um, I had I, I would post a, a thing on, on tsN and this is probably several iterations of TSN ago uh, mm-hmm. like a player ranking um, yeah. and it was you know a statistically generated um, but you know, you you throw them up, and it's like I I'm, I literally just take a, a spreadsheet, copy it into our CMS tool, and, and away it goes, and and you know, and it automatically starts arguments because you have this one guy here ahead of you know this other guy here, and you know, then that's obviously insane, and and so that that just you know the, this is you know, I guess the the precursor to what has been going on with uh, with war arguments since, but. It's, it's the same principle that when you're using numbers kind of to, um, to measure player performance and it's, you know, this rigid number that, um, you know, seems like it has no give to it, uh, people get, you know, get their backs up yeah. because the one player they <laughs> yeah. think is better is, is not, yep. a, is not ranked as high, highly as
2: another player. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, Scott, if, I know this may seem like uh, an, an odd, Question asked, but, like, is would it be better if there was just one ultimate evaluate number and, and, like, then we all just, like, pack it up? Or is it good that there is no one thing that just, like, defines it and that we're able to just, you know, obviously... Everybody's one-dimensional. I can already hear the people sp- sprinting to my mentions. You know, There's no number for heart. <laughs> but, you know, like, in, in your opinion for seeing how this is evaluated, I mean, like, is this, you know, is it a, are, we, are we damned either way?
1: <laughs> well, we, we might be.
2: Um, but, but I do think, like, like I think the,
1: um, you know, if you're looking at, say, what hockey war is, you probably have to look at it as, you know, you don't end the argument of a player's value based on. On hockey, war at least not in the same way that you you might for baseball, um, and and not that baseball necessarily uses it to you know to end the argument. But if you have a player who's a six war player and they're and you're, you're comparing him to a three war player, well, you're really going to have to come up with something special from the three war player to to decide why he's better than the six war player. And and I suppose if you have that kind of gap in hockey, you're going to still have to you know come up with the, the heart. is going to have to really weigh in pretty heavily to uh, to make that count. Um, but, you know, I, I, I've kind of the reason I got into, um, I guess, following advanced stats uh, anyway is that I always thought that, look, if whatever you're doing, whatever intangibles you, you bring to the game, if it doesn't result mm-hmm. in anything measurable, then, like, what's the real value? And, and mm-hmm. that doesn't mean there is no value. But, uh, you know, my kind of perception on this is, is that hockey has historically overvalued you know, that intangible aspect and, and whether, whether it goes to, you know, what enforcers used to bring to teams, uh, or, you know, what guy's good in the room or what kind of heart they, they offer. I mean, look, all those things, you know, might have some value, but if you're talking about, you know, the, the six war player versus the three war player and, and, you're, and you're pumping up the three war player plus he has heart or, or whatever, well, that heart really has to count for a lot. And, and I think once you start making these things tangible, um, it becomes harder to make that argument. Like, I think that's part of why, you know, we've reached the death of the enforcer in many ways is because, you know, you can always tout the, all oh, the team plays bigger with them in the lineup and, and protects these guys and, and so on. But you would see, okay, but you know, we're getting a, we, we get out scored 10 or 15 goals uh, <laughs> at five on five with this guy on the ice. So, you know, ha- how much is it worth it? How much is it worth to us, uh, to keep plugging that guy out there, uh, and, you know, and, Relying on his uh, pugilistic abilities uh, to to overcome the the lack of production as a hockey player and and so I think that you know, that's still exists because you know you still have um i mean look the Vancouver Canucks are signing Jay Beagle to a four year contract um, you <laughs> know, there there are teams out there are teams out there who who are still going to buy into heart and and grit and and so on, but to me, what you want is you want the guy who has heart and grit and and has production to go with it.
2: I think I think pugilistic skill has to be the name of a new band. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I, and again with as, and I'm glad actually you brought up baseball as as an example because you know as someone who is yeah, can't walk ten feet without some sort of new. Well, here's where Mike Trout is on the old war machine. It's like, okay, all right, I've I've seen enough. This is <laughs> so it, it it is strange how it is like a little more definitive in 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 one subset, and then it's just this dubious, <laughs> constantly ever changing Rubik's cube in another sense. But um, yeah, I I I like to think that there's there if we would there, if there was no value, we wouldn't be talking about it, right? So I I again I'm. Yeah. I'm I'm rather pleased that we're at this point where, at least we're talking about it. At least we're in the room and 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 we're talking about it. I mean, before what we were getting the 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 banana (laughs) peels, cabbage heads thrown at (laughs) us, like get out of here, you know what you're doing. But you know, it's it's yeah. I'm 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 glad to see that there's you know progress is progress. You know, in 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 for the long haul.
1: like, well, and and I think right. it, it it depends on on how you're using it. Like like it, this doesn't mean oh I have I have this guy at 3.5 WAR and this guy at 3.4 WAR. Well, obviously the guy with 3.5 is better. well, <laughs> it, that's close enough that you know there's room for nuance on on yeah. how you might want to evaluate these players. But but I think it it does a decent job of putting guys in in, in the right ballpark. You know, mm-hmm. I mean it, there may be some some misses depending on uh, you know which which model you have and, and you know what potential shortcomings uh, any of those models. Uh, might present, but you know, if, if in general, when you when you kind of see a couple of players and, and you see what their wars are, if the war is really you know off from, from what your perception, well, then find out why why that is, and then you can kind of decide whether you agree or disagree with the the way the model is built, because it, it it's not as though um, you know these numbers are pulled from the sky; like the, there's a, a statistical underpinning to all of it, so. You know, if you decide that well you know i think the the playmaker uh, deserves deserves more credit than uh, than the goal scorer well you know maybe that's one of the reasons that a guy doesn't uh, register as high on more but you know if you mm-hmm. take take the time to uh, you know to learn the underpinnings of of it and and this is also part of the i guess the battle for the modellers is to make it as easy and accessible as as you can um but if you can do that then um, you know, pe- people don't have to take it as gospel. They can take it with uh, kind of an informed understanding. Hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, 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 wa- I definitely wanted to make sure we got to uh, at least one of our our mailbag, our listener questions. So, uh, so this one is uh, is from North Dakota Red Eagle, um, and. He has uh, he's definitely done some research on this one. He's got some stats in here. So, um, okay, five foot ten Sammy Vatten and five foot eleven Andy Green played six hundred minutes. Five v five is a pair this past season for New Jersey. The Devils won high danger shot attempts battle fifty four point five percent while they were on the ice together. Five foot ten rookie defenseman Will Butcher was also a big part of the Devils' surprise playoff berth. All right, so here's the question: We are starting to see more five foot ten and five foot eleven defensemen crack regular NHL roles. Are we eventually going to see five foot eight and five foot nine defensemen regularly succeed in the
1: nhl uh <laughs> whether they'll regularly succeed i don't know but i think that hmm. that uh, teams have, have sort of crossed the threshold where they're willing to find out uh you know hmm. if you look at what the top of uh, the nhl draft this year was like um and just kind of the way that the ratings were the, the you know boquist and Quinn hughes and and guys like that who who you know, a generation ago, or not even a generation ago, ten ten years ago, um, there was no no chance you'd find them ranked as highly as uh, they were. You know, given the same skill set, but the fact that they were you know five ten, five nine guys guys who were really undersized um, as defensemen. That I like, I, I that that's a real change. That the you know scouts are kind of willing to to use that high first round pick on, on players that now. I mean, look—they're supposed to be uh, extremely talented young players, and, and that's part of the reason that um, you know you'll give them that shot when they're when they're that size. I mean, I, I think that that remains uh, the the hurdle um, any undersized player is going to have, is because you know a guy who's six foot two is going to get more chances based on the fact that he's six foot two. Uh, but if you're getting um, if you're getting defensemen drafted high in the first round and they're five nine and five ten. Uh, I think that shows that um, there's some change in the thinking around the league. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's you know every every team isn't on board with that. I don't think, and uh, but I I think the the notion of uh, undersized defensemen um, is is it's easier to make it now than it would have been you know, 10 years or 20 years ago because there was a time when you had to be you know, 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", uh, because they let you maul the forwards. And now as, you know, as they're cutting down on all that stuff, you're learning that, well, maybe it maybe it's worth it to have the guy who can get you out of trouble in your own end uh, with a quick pass or able to skate the puck out. And so you know, I, I think that's still evolving, but I, I do see it kind of tilting in that direction a little bit more.
2: Cool. I just want to say that that question, Pete, was phrased in such a way I thought it was going to be answering one of those, like if a train leaves St. Louis at 3 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was wondering about that. The, the, yeah. All this 5 yeah. 10 defensemen
1: talking about, oh boy, yeah. I, I don't know enough about 5 or 10 defensemen if
2: <laughs> if a, a five
0: say so, well we got a little quiz for you <laughs> if,
2: a, if a five foot ten defenseman leaves the zone skating at 25 miles an hour does he, is he able to make the pass in the neut- into the neutral zone quicker than guy gosh oh man that's it, it, that's like one of those things where like hey let's see what that how they'd be able to practice that given the mike medano skate with a parachute system let's see how that helps them <laughs> um so uh we we have talked about analytics we've talked about um your your involvement with fantasy so i wanted to talk uh with you scott a little bit about a recent fantasy that uh played out before our very eyes and um given that it is also in the very early uh stages of writing its uh own chapter in the history of uh of the league here but um the uh the hockey team that was uh, birthed in las vegas uh did uh Many things that made the a lot of us look foolish when yeah. when, when the season ended, mm-hmm. so um, you know do, do you think that they spent all of their devil magic early <laughs> or or do you think that they will do um, what I guess we'll, we'll, we would all kind of under the radar kind of want them to do is just continue to buck the trend because again, we are in a golden age of anything can happen, but you know as as a you know industry professional like yourself. Based on what you saw is you know, I I I don't know, I I forget who I forget who tweeted it but they were like it was it was like parenthetical Vegas loses the night they raise their cup banner and then someone says, I told you it couldn't last (laughs) So so yeah, so in your opinion what what do you expect? What what can we even remotely begin to think about or is there nothing? Do do we just keep an open mind?
1: Yeah, I mean I suppose keeping an open mind is is a good response because (laughs) I I don't, like, I, the, you know what, at the Ottawa uh, conference last year, uh, and this was kind of before they even had a roster, uh, but there was some polling and, uh, you know, how how good do you think Vegas can be, and based on, you know, kind of based on what players would be available. uh, And there were enough people at that conference who thought they, you know, could be a competitive team you know maybe they're uh, you know 80 plus points but you know no one was predicting like even at the most optimistic and no one was predicting them to um you know be 100 plus points win their division and go to the cup final like that just you know but all, all the stats <laughs> you want weren't, weren't going to lead you to that um answer uh and so you know sometimes you have you have to recognize that okay there, there are um you know, things that you're not necessarily going to forecast correctly. And so when I when I think of uh Vegas, like I I like a lot of uh their team, uh, but I also you know, I, I worry any time a team gets fantastic goaltending because, you know, your concern is whether the goaltender can keep it up the next year. And Mark Andre Fleury having like the best year of his career. Um, you know, that mm. played a big part for them. And and so, you know, if Marc Andre Fleury is, you know, back to a nine sixteen save percentage next year that's not that's not the level that he played at this year. Um and at the same time when when Flurry was hurt, um, you know, Vegas still got decent goaltending out of a bunch of guys who were really unproven. You know, that Malcolm Suban and right, Oscar man. Dansk and uh, Maxime Legacy, like all these guys who, who really had no track <laughs> record to to speak of kinda kept them at least treading water. In fact, a little, little better than that. Um You know, until Flurry came back and continued having uh, his great season, and so that to me is the kind of the main thing. Is you 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 watch uh, what's going on with Flurry. You have to assume William Carlson doesn't score on twenty three percent of the shots next year, um, because 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 no one does. You know, you don't you don't get those back to back years. But like if William Carlson goes from being a forty three goal scorer to a twenty five goal scorer, he can still be a really you know useful and valuable player. Um, But you know there are goals to be made up there and James Neal gone and David Perron gone you know like there there are some some holes to fill uh they brought in Paul Stastny which um you know will help but i i think you know i when i look at, at Vegas kind of going into next season i think you, you certainly think i i certainly think they're a playoff team but i'm i'm still pretty wary like i, I would I, I think i'd probably have them as maybe a, a Top 12 team instead of a team that I would think goes to the final.
2: Here's here's to yeah. us not having anything we just said use this sound bites by the time June comes <laughs> <Yeah. next> around. <year. laughs>
1: Getting radioed. Yeah. That's the Yeah.
0: This will get purged um, Alright so I, I, I have one last question um, And I, I typically Try to have like a kind of like a more fun Question for the last one so um, Your TSN colleague Travis Like we said before he is well known for his Controversial food takes I think Controversial is probably the the, the nicest way to put it yeah, um,
1: The good way to put it yeah.
0: <laughs> So if you, if you were forced to do Something similar what category Of takes of yours do you think would generate The same sort of reaction on Twitter So like oh, movie, no. music TV, anything.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> this is funny because I I sit here and I uh, try and scroll through these things, and I'm like, I don't have anything in my life where I have a take like yo Food. Take. <laughs> That's probably <laughs> like, good. Like you know, like the, t- the TV shows I like are like, yeah, I like The Wire and The Sopranos, and, and shows that everybody acknowledges are really great shows. <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, and,
1: and and you know. Uh, I don't even think any of the music I like is that far off the uh, the map. So it, yeah, what what do I have that would qualify as a Yoast food take? I I don't even know. I, That's I'm, fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, may, maybe maybe I'm above that. There you go. <laughs> take
2: take take that, Travis.
0: There you go. We're we're gonna we're gonna cut that clip and uh, tweet it at him. So.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I I'm sure again, you're Scott, you're a knowledgeable guy. I'm sure you'll have a. Uh, you know, a a a, uh, oh, a Newton-esque moment where just that take will just fall out of the tree and hit you in the head, and you'll have something to to turn yourself into the lightning rod, which we all know you want, right? Like you're, well, you're, just, you're just waiting for for you to be the the center of the hot take zone.
1: Yeah, well, that yeah, that's exactly it is. I i, I <laughs> Go for the freezing cold takes like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean because any any time look any time on particularly on Twitter if I if I want to weigh in on something I, I generally want to have some kind of statistical backing <laughs> because you know what you know what I did I, I made some crack uh, this summer about the Islanders and it was I don't know maybe ten days after Tavares had signed with Toronto but they signed uh, Kovar the um, the Czech center or Czech forward. Yeah. Uh, as a free agent and I made some, you know, lighthearted crack about it. That I was really, I, it was a throwaway joke, but boy, where I understand that. And so I, <laughs> that, that's kind of lesson learned. Like that, you don't even get to do the throwaway joke. You you better have something to back it up when you, uh, um, you know, when you want to weigh in on Twitter. And that's, that's kind of where I am on that.
2: Well, that's funny because uh, you, that's actually one of the, under the radar reasons we had you on because uh, we wanted to take this moment to reveal that, uh, Several of those accounts uh, uh, hoarding you for that for that hot take was actually all of Pete's <laughs> burner accounts because
0: he's uh, the guy. Oh man, to. I would have gotten
1: away with it if you would. <laughs> know, all those meddling kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and you see the Bur- the burner accounts in the NHL are that's that's kind of after the way uh, things went down with the Philadelphia seventy sixers that that's the uh, you know, the hot button topic to keep an eye on. You know, you never know. <laughs> Who's uh, managing some of those accounts?
2: And especially now with the m- mandate, I think I forget if hockey does it, but I know with uh, with baseball, it certainly turned into a trend. Like at the end of the year, all hockey writers and analysts should reveal their burner accounts, like their uh, like their like their Hall of Fame votes or their other or Hart Trophy votes. Like, right? Uh, it is revealed I did vote for Taylor Hall, and I am also Leafs forever four nine four. Yeah. Um, well, Scott, we'd love to you know, chat into the into the night here, but uh, again, we, we all know that uh, the machine uh, waits for no one, so we want to say thanks for stopping by. And um, once again, I would appreciate it, Pete, if we stopped booking guests who went to your special little conference in Rochester, so i <laughs> actually have a frame of reference to, to have fun here. But in all seriousness, Scott, thanks so much for coming on, man. Um, for those who are still uninitiated, which I would think after this conversation you would... Uh, have no excuse not to be um, uh, more excited than ever. Follow him at uh, probably, again, Pete, we are on this phenomenal string of having guests on who have the most concise and simple Twitter handles. <laughs> we, I'm trying to, like, I'm, I'm waiting for us to get, like, oh, yeah, so we were, uh, we were able to land Kyle Dubis, and his uh, Twitter handle is several words we cannot say over, over <laughs> there because his name isn't currently available. But you can follow Scott at tsn scott cullen uh all the traditional spelling tsn traditional <laughs> scotches, so. yeah, tsn's just how it just as it's uh written and uh said in several languages abroad um again his uh and i will guys we're about to complete the hat trick because this is indeed the third plug for statistically speaking. So (laughs) that's the, we we direct you to uh, Scott's uh, articles uh, with the most glorious uh, title, as we've just mentioned. And um, you know, we, we, we look forward to uh, the season beginning once more. And uh, we, uh, we, we look forward to, uh, to chatting you about stuff and um, you know, just, uh, just be careful out there. You never know what takes (laughs) going to, going to sneak up on you. (laughs) (laughs)
1: that's great thanks so much for having me on guys lots of fun all right
0: so uh, hopefully you really enjoyed that interview as much as we enjoyed uh talking to scott um so we have one one thing to close the show out with but before we do we wanted to uh we wanted to talk real quick about something and the reason we we're we're probably going to be real quick about it is because this doesn't really seem like uh like something that needs an extended discussion because like, it seems like it's pretty, pretty clear. So, um, a couple days ago, the Toronto Maple Leafs announced that they are, um, that they are hiring, uh, Haley Wickenheiser, who is obviously, uh, one of the all time great, uh, women's hockey players. She's a four time Olympic gold medalist, seven time world champion. Um, and, uh, she's, she was hired by the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, as the assistant director of player development. And, that led to another great article by Katie Strang, uh, which raised the question of, you know, when will, uh, we see a, uh, well, you know, when will we see a female behind the bench, either in an, assist, obviously m- mo- most likely an assistant role would be, would be first, um, or, you know, eventually down the road as a head coach. Um, and, you know she talks about the example in the uh, the WNBA uh, with Becky Becky Hammond, uh, where she is an assistant for, um, uh, oh god, uh, San Antonio, right? Yep. Yeah, I, I'm not a huge basketball fan, but I do I do know this. Um, so she's an assistant uh, in San Antonio, and if I remember correctly, she's she j- this year she is going to be the head assistant uh, to Greg Popovich, um, who is a. A very interesting man you know even if you don't like basketball, he's very interesting uh to listen to he has a lot of uh a lot of interesting things to say and so he is um you know he has her on his team and she is uh you know she's widely considered to be you know probably the best chance to be an n b a head coach and uh, uh people quoting the article who uh have played for her are like yeah like like why not like you know we you know, she tells us stuff. She knows what she's talking about. We're going to listen to her. You know, it's not a big deal that she's uh, she's a woman instead of a man and in the NBA. It's not a big deal. Um, so, obviously, hockey is, it is a little different. Um, it's more um, small-c conservative in terms of making changes like this. So... You know, the question that Katie uh, Strang raised in her article is, you know, how long is it going to take for this to happen? I mean, I think I don't think there's any reason it can't. Uh, I think there's there's probably some people who um, not probably uh, there are some people who have the experience uh, to to be hired as a as a, an assistant coach in the NHL. And, um, you know, we already have uh, women doing uh, uh, s- skating training uh, with players. You know, we already have um, You know, obviously now we have Wickenheiser in the front office. And so it's doesn't really seem like there's a reason why it couldn't happen. Uh, So. So, Jay, do you agree that this is pretty much cut and dry, that like there's it's just a matter of time and there's no reason for it not to happen at some point?
2: It should have already happened. (laughs) That's all I have to say. This is I've already seen too many people say to the other side and to them, all I can say is readjust your views, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> like this is, is, there's nothing else to, uh, to say about it. We are fully in favor of this. I mean, yeah. Like Haley Wickenheiser knocked the snot out of team USA for so many years. And it's like, yeah, she's earned the right to be at any level of the game at any level at any level. And, and I'm really excited to, See what she can do with them, and it pains me to say that. Not because she's a woman; it's because it makes me like the Leafs. <laughs> That's the whole point here. Why are you all just clouding the issue? It's that the Leafs are likable now. Gosh, ah. But yes, yes. To to to, to Miss Wickenheiser, I am so glad that you're that you're joining this. Uh, st- <laughs> this stupid boys' club. I hope you're not the only one, and I hope you're the first of many. And it's it's time to get this going. <laughs>
0: Cool. So, um, yeah, so like I said, we got one more thing to talk about. Um, so, uh, so Jay, uh, let's wrap us up. What do we got? I am the,
2: uh, current and, uh, presiding, uh, Jersey man on this podcast. You, you all know this, um, as, as the off season is, uh, coming to an end, that means teams have started to, uh, reveal some new goodies, for the fans, um, and again, for the players, but, you know, obviously let's not forget this is about selling more jerseys. <laughs> so uh, teams have started to reveal more and more uh, third jersey concepts. Uh, I think the one that's uh, been um, in the most uh, in my mind right now has been the uh, Mighty Ducks third jersey, which is bringing back the uh, 90s slash uh, film jerseys um, they they kind of messed around with the colors that they're using. Um, sadly, for a colorblind person like myself, the jersey actually just looks like it's a deep uh, deep navy. But I'm being told that it's actually black. <laughs> so uh, you know, again, I, I say this once more: um, don't trust me on, on when I say <laughs> what color things are. But uh, I think still the design itself is really great. I could do without the the, the duck foot uh, logo on the shoulders. But uh, as we all know, the teams always like to cling with whatever their major look is in some fashion in the design. Um, the uh, Philadelphia Flyers are going to use their Stadium Series jersey as a third jersey this year. It's a just a black and orange jersey uh, Variant. It's uh, actually pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. It's uh, it's really solid. It's very simplistic. You know, largely largely black with some really big um, orange uh, stripes uh, for the bottom of the jersey, for the arms, and uh, for the socks and and that stuff but uh most of the time pete likes to plead uh ignorance with anything jersey related because it doesn't interest him and that's fine and to anybody out there i'm not judging you because you don't like jerseys it's just you're not a good person (laughs) Mm -hmm. um but uh in recent news uh i think pete actually has a chance to join my very one-sided topics on this thing so pete tell us about what your team did uh, first of all, well, first of all, it's not my team, uh, <laughs> your, your local area team. It's yeah. the team that you're able to see the most. So yes. Uh, it's, it's, second of all, it's, I, I
0: find it interesting that you, you refer to yourself as, as the Jersey, the Jersey man. When I live in New Jersey, you are
2: literally a Jersey I am literally man. I'm so. literally a Jersey man. I, was, so I, actually, I, I, I guess we are both Jersey men. In I that gl- case. I'm glad yes. you picked up on it. I was wondering if yeah. you were going to say something.
0: <laughs> and, um, so Uh, Not surprisingly, I am talking about the New Jersey Devils uh, diehard jersey, um, by which I, of course, mean their Christmas jersey. (laughs) And uh, this is one of those ones where, you know, whenever Jay and I talk about jerseys, it's kind of like if I go to a museum and look at art, I can't tell you why I like something. I'm just like, I like that. Um, I I can't. I, I don't really have the 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 specific vocabulary or experience to you know compare it to other things etc but i really like this uh this christmas tree jersey i will wholeheartedly agree that it's kind of garish and that's kind of what i like about it yeah it is it is bold (laughs) it is crazy it is weird and that is why i like it um so i don't I don't ha I'm trying to think I don't have any jerseys of teams that I am not a fan of you know I have some islander jerseys from back in the day. I ha- now have you know red wings jerseys um but if i were if i probably if I had more money and if I were thinking about getting a jersey from another team, especially obviously since I live forty five minutes from their arena and I can go watch their games for <laughs> a relatively cheap price um I think this is definitely one I would consider. Again, I can fully understand if somebody's like, "That's the ugliest thing I've ever seen." I, I kind of don't don't disagree, but I love it. I just I, I really love that jersey. I can't really explain why it um it, it's just something that has a special place in my heart. Even though I've never been a fan of the Devils.
2: Well, yeah, it also kind of reminds me of a time when I thought. For me personally i tolerated the devils but then like all the later devil things that they did against the red wings made me hate them and that's and that's where they sit right now so it like it kind of reminds me of like the early shanahan era like oh they didn't they hadn't proven themselves yet that's nice oh that's <laughs> cool and then you know I, i'm i'm sure the the whole uh version of that jersey will sell quite well um also, the uh, Carolina Hurricanes unveiled a uh, third jersey of theirs. It's, uh, it's, for those of you who haven't seen it, um, it's still largely their red and black uh, color scheme, but their logo uh, has a new secondary crest, and it's basically a hockey stick that's being used to wave two red flags on um, uh, P, huh, you, are you P,
0: sure that's not the Ottawa Senators, New Jersey?
2: No, no. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That oh, it has, to be, white white it has to be a white flag. It has to be a white flag. That's that's yeah, right. Yeah. Um. So, Pete, you were you were in the Navy. Does what is? I, I feel like two red flags mean something in maritime law. Is that true? That uh, is. Or, a, that is an excellent question. Uh,
0: the answer to which I do not know.
2: Okay, well, I look uh, forward to you doing minutes of research to see if that's actually something. Yes, but by did- the
0: time I was in, uh, we we didn't. I, I think technically, I probably learned some semaphore at some point, uh, but it was it was not something that for my my uh, my particular job that I needed to learn.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, we'll, we'll figure that out. Hopefully it means like victory or like on the charge or something, because otherwise that would be a really, really unfortunate error to be like, and the Carolina Hurricanes have been wearing the, we are currently being raided by pirates logo. Mm. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's not very good. Um, and then also a super blast from the past. And I'm actually really excited about this because, um, I'm pretty sure my dad owned one of these, but I don't know if he still has it. I think he said at some point that he maybe got rid of it or sold it to somebody, and I'd be really sad if he did. But if that's the case still, I now have a chance to get one of my own because the Arizona Coyotes are bringing back the Kachina jersey. That's right. Their debut jersey is making its triumphant return, and uh, their reveal video was super fun, and um, it's it's it reminds me of – the the Kachuk and uh, ronick days. I, I mean, not like it wouldn't, but like for me personally, like those were. You know, I grew up as you know a little bit of a Blackhawks fan, and I I always know ronick as as a uh, as a Blackhawk. But like to to think about all the times that. I still him score wearing this jersey. It's it's just it's some nice warm fuzzy feelings. So, oh, um, um,
0: by the way, uh, before we wrap up the show, the uh, the red uh, flag with a black square in it is the storm warning flag, which I guess makes sense because of the hurricane. Okay, Yay. all
2: right, way to go, Carolina. That's actually okay. I I, w- I was passing some sarcastic judgment before, but now that I know that that's what it is, that is actually really really cool. Good for yes. them. Yep. Um so, Pete, I think that brings us to the close, huh huh it does it does so uh this was another fantastic episode Pete, this was number thirty, right um yeah, this is number thirty number We've, thirty uh, gosh yeah we, we we grew up so fast we're we're yeah. on the wrong side of twenty five now it's uh <laughs> it's all it's all uphill downhill from here um so uh, once again, we like to th- thank you for listening, Pete. Um, where can the lovely listeners at, lo- at home f- find us when we're not talking in their ears?
0: That's a very good question, and here's the answer. So uh, on Twitter, you can find me at Hockey. On Twitter, you can find Jay at the Roar underscore uh, twenty four. You can find our podcast at two hundred foot pod. That's two zero zero ftpod. And um, you can find our merchandise if you go to tinyurlcom first shirt, which is F E R S H I R T. You can find our store that has t shirts and all sorts of things it has like a pillow you can put on your couch it's actually pretty comfortable i have one of them um hoodies the the, the hoodies are exceptionally comfortable um they are they are fantastic um and also uh we said this before but we'll say it again uh our awesome guest today uh, scott cullen you can find him on twitter at tsn scott cullen
2: yeah, so uh and once again, uh Katie Strang, if you're listening, um you're welcome for all of the press that we <laughs> that we've that we've once again given you. But it's all deserved. We're not saying that facetiously at all. Absolutely. We, again, for those listening, please it, it is worth the it is I agree with Pete, it is worth the mm-hmm. subscription and they're doing phenomenal work. And uh and that's not just because they let us hang out with them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um so uh Pete uh we didn't do this the last couple episodes. But I wanted to bring it back because we are closing down the season. So remember how we said when we started the season, you know, or started the off season that you know because the season is not happening, we didn't want to use verbs from Mike Emrick that are that he does use, and we wanted to take the summer to figure out words that he should use. Yeah. So um, I I feel like we need to bring that back. Um, I it took me a while to to, to find this one, but uh, I think it'd be really cool to hear him say it. Uh, Jeers. <laughs> I want Doc Emrick to use jeers in a uh, hockey verb uh, fashion. You know, Je- he jeers it. Uh, I just think it would be so ob- absurd and obnoxious, and nobody would know what he's saying because, it, 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 like, we all know what jeers means. But I feel like if he says it, that means he's now giving it credence to be a hockey verb. So he jeers it along. I just like, like I could just imagine like like a guy makes a pass and he's like screaming at the pass to go through. So like he jeers the pass.
0: Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm on board with that. Cool.
2: Cool. All right. Well, till till next time, right? (laughs) Yeah,
0: absolutely. So next time we will uh, see you back for episode 31. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. See ya. For sure.
1: For sure. 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 For sure.
0: For sure.
1: For sure, sure. For sure. For sure, for sure, sure, sure. For sure.